you're watching Fat Bidet Knows Everything and it's called Fat Bidet Knows Everything because I do know everything. This week what I want to talk about is uh, I'm going to be responding to responses and reactions uh, to uh, a column which I wrote in Malaysia Kini last week uh, about the, the incident in France where um, a couple of Muslim individuals, supposedly Muslim individuals, uh, killed French citizens because of the cartoon of the Prophet Muhammad being shown in school by a teacher. Okay, uh, and today's episode is brought to you by my mother-in-law's pineapple tart. As I am recording this right now, I'm actually following on the news uh, the presidential election results that's slowly trickling in in the US, right, between Biden and Trump. Now, I'm following it from a couple of news organizations. I'm watching uh, NBC, uh, CNN, BBC, and ABC, right, just to see how, um, how they're covering the elections. Uh, mostly it's all the same, right. Um, at the current moment right now, um, Joe Biden is leading by a very small margin. I think Joe Biden has like 49% and uh, Trump has like 48% or something like that. Uh, they, are, they, are, they are predicting that the results, the full results will only come in tomorrow. So by the time you watch this video, you should be able to know the results already about the, US, uh, the, the results of the US presidential election. So we'll know if they're going to get Biden as president or Trump. But that's not what I want to talk about today. What I do want to talk about is what I mentioned just now in the intro video. Alright, so... I wrote an article for my column, uh, Amalaysia Kini, so I thought, um, let's see, let me find the column. Um, you, should, you guys should read my column, it comes out every Friday, so Malaysia Kini. Uh, so the last one I wrote, titled, Whose Fault Is It, France or Muslims? Okay, so I wrote in the column, I said that whatever it is, whatever it is, killing, murdering, and violence is not justified. No matter what the reason, I mean, no reason, it's just not justified. Okay, so I'm not condoning it. But basically, in my column, I'm exploring the fact that who is at fault right now, and why is there a reaction, such an extreme reaction by Muslims uh, in France? And I don't say by Muslims in general, but by these one, two individuals, lah, okay? Mm. I start out by explaining what democracy is. Democracy and liberalism. Now, France is one of, uh, it's in Western Europe, and as we know, the whole bloc of Western Europe, they consider themselves very liberal and democratic. Uh, and um, they uphold liberalism. They uphold democracy. Every individual has a right to freedom of expression, freedom of speech. They have individual human rights, right? Their individual rights are very, very important. Now, that's something that I believe in, right? Every individual needs to have their own rights and they have the right to do anything they want as long as it doesn't hurt people, all right? 
But here's the thing. We all know that there is a ban in France. France has banned the headscarf, the tudo, right? Uh, to be worn in schools and many places, in many public spaces. Okay, they, they ban it. Why? Because they see it, uh, they see it as a way to oppress women, right? Because uh, in Muslim culture, uh, usually uh, women are told to wear the tudong. So it's considered like they're forced to wear the tudong to cover their aura when they go out. Right? So they say it's oppressive. But so when France bans it, I can understand why because it threatens their liberalism and their democracy. Okay, freedom of the individual. It threatens it. So it's, it, that's why they're banning it, right? So I get that. I get that. But then again, there are also many, many individual women who wear the tudong, the headscarf, out of their own will. It's their own decision. They want to, right? So if they individually want to wear the tudong, then France's ban on the headscarf, on the tudong, would be oppressive to their individual rights, right? So, how how liberal or democratic is France, right? Now, so I go on to say that the incident that happened, we all know, it was a teacher. A teacher was teaching about uh, freedom of speech in school and uh, showed a picture of a cartoon, a cartoon drawing of the Prophet Muhammad using it as an example of freedom of speech, right? And we all know in Mus in Islam, they, they cannot, we, we, they, they don't like it. Muslims don't like it, they're not allowed to visualize the Prophet, okay? So, when that happened, um, an, an individual who is supposedly a Muslim went and slit the throat of the teacher, murdered, killed, right? And there was another incident in a church where three people were killed, were stabbed. Now, I raised the question of why these people would actually get so angry and so desperate that they, to show their anger and dissatisfaction, they have to commit murder. They have to commit violence, right? I mean, I don't agree with it, but why? I'm trying to understand why, right? And um, maybe the situation is where um, these Muslims in France or in Western Europe, they feel so oppressed and there's no avenue for them to, uh, I guess, express their anger and express their opinions and express their dissatisfaction. Anyway, there's no other outlet to do it and they feel so desperate that they need to commit violence. Right? Maybe the French government could actually provide the space, maybe listen to them. Right? Because in a democratic and liberal country, there are, there are actually, there's supposed to be many, many avenues for you to express your dissatisfaction. You can have protests and demonstrations. You can write letters to your government. You can do speeches, debates, discourse uh, and everything. All this is fine. That is the right way to express your anger. But violence is not. right? So why do they not resort, why do they not follow the other ways to express their anger and instead want to go and kill people and commit violence? Right? Could it be, could it be that the situation where if they were to protest or they were to demonstrate or they were to uh, write letters or, or, or give speeches or have debates, public debates and all that, could it be that the situation still does not allow them to be heard? Maybe the authorities still do not hear them? Right? And that's why they feel so frustrated that they have to go towards that. Right? Now, this is the question that I raise. So I'm saying here that maybe everybody is to blame. Everyone is to blame here. Okay? From the authorities, from the liberal society, to the conservative society, to the religious societies. Everybody is to blame to what is happening right now. Alright? That's what I'm trying to express. Now, 
in my column in Malaysia Kini, uh, it got a crazy amount of reaction, like it got a crazy amount of comment, com comments, right? I think 300 over comments. People were talking about it. Well, I, I guess it's fair lah, because it's an issue that everybody wants to talk about. It's quite controversial, it's hot, it's a hot topic and all that. But for the most part, now, I did not read every single <laughs> uh, comment. It's impossible for me to have the time to read all that comments. But I did scan through, uh, scan through everything. And for the most part, for the most part, what I observe is that a lot of people are number one accusing me of taking the side of the Islamist uh, extremists, right? And they, and they and they are accusing me of writing this thing about France when I should take a look at my own country and I should be doing something about my own country because we have a majority who is trying to oppress the minority also when it comes to race and religious issues. Okay, when we all know in Malaysia we have our racial tension and our religious tension between the Muslims and the non-Muslims, the Malays and the non-Malays and things like that. Now, if you are actual readers of mine, I've been writing my column for years, not just at Malaysia Kini, I used to write it at Malaysian Insider, I used to write it at Astro Awani, I, I've been writing about things and issues like this for a very long time, about 15 to 20 years, close to 20 years I've been doing this. And if you read my writings, I have written a lot about the situation in Malaysia too, right? So it's not like I'm ignoring my country and I'm writing about France, no, right? And secondly, a lot of these comments are saying that uh, they're saying that it is not justified to kill, it is not justified to commit violence, which is, you know, this something that I agree with, right? And it's something that we are on the same, you know, we are on the same same page. Um, but they say that I should not be justifying it. They're saying it as if I am justifying it. And, and I think it's a, they're just saying it like that, you know? Their, their, their argument is that, okay, fine, you're oppressed. Okay, fine, you're angry. Just don't kill, right? Why must you kill? And they say that it is the religion that is asking them to kill. It's the religion that is asking them to commit violence, right? But I have to disagree here. Now, I have been involved in something called... It's good thoughts, right? Good thoughts. Now, I've been involved in something called CVE. C V E. Right, which stands for Countering Violent Extremism. So for the past five or six years, I've been doing a lot of content, like videos, writings, books, and all that, that tries to counter violent extremism, which means I'm fighting against violent extremism. Okay, that's what I do. And I have a lot of experience talking to extremists, uh, terrorists, uh, reformed terrorists, uh, charged and sentenced terrorists, and things like that for my work. Right? And what I have noticed, and this is a personal observation of mine from doing all this work for the last five to six years, right, is that a lot of, the, a lot of these people, they feel so frustrated and they have to commit this kind of violence. They feel like they're, they're driven to commit this kind of violence because, or at least be sympathetic with this kind of uh, violence and extremist ideas, because they have been denied the proper way to express themselves for a very, very long time. Right? Like for example, in Malaysia, my own personal experience, I grew up uh, in Johor. Johor, you're supposed to go to Sekolah Agama, right? a religious school. And I remember when I was going to religious school, when I was a little kid, like eight, <coughs> eight, nine years old, I was going to religious school, right? And I remember every time I had a question to ask, the Ustaz or Ustazah would tell me not to ask the question because it's religion, it's from God, just accept it. If you think too much, you go crazy, right? 
then how? How am I to ask? How am I to clarify? And we can never have discourse, we can never have a discussion to help me understand the religion better. Right? Now I'm lucky as I grew up, I started to, to find, find more information and, and study it myself. Okay, so I'm kind of lucky. Right? But a lot of people feel frustrated and they don't, they're not as lucky as me and they don't find an avenue to get, get enough information and knowledge. Right? And so that's kind of what pushes people to be a little bit extremist. You know? Because there's no avenue. Right? Yeah. So it's not as simple as, oh, the religion asked them to commit violence. No. I think that the situation is very complicated. Uh, this is what I believe. But I'm sure if you do even more detailed studies, and more detailed studies have been done, research, right? It shows that a lot more elements are there that is, that is influencing this situation. Okay? Yeah. It is not a simple, uh, a, 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 a simple situation to be in. So that's why, as much as we try to solve this problem where we don't want violence, I'm doing this for five, six years, like CVE, there's still so much work to do. Right? There's still a lot of work to do. I believe that we need to create an environment that is conducive to allowing people to agree to disagree. Everybody will have different opinions. Everybody will have different thoughts. Right? And everybody will have different ideas. And because the world is huge and there's so many people. Right? People will have different beliefs and things like that. We just need to be to understand that everybody is different and it's okay to come together and still disagree, right? We can fight, but fight with words and facts. We can write, we can make videos to comment on things like this, right? But never pick up a gun, never be violent, never kill. That's something that's not acceptable. But again, right, if we have a proper way, a proper environment where people can express their ideas and agree to disagree, then okay lah, right? So, I'm working hard to see if we can create a society like that. Of course, I'm working small. I'm working in Malaysia, right? Trying to see if we can create that kind of situation in Malaysia, an environment in Malaysia where everybody can talk. And there's no judgment, right? It's a safe space for everyone to uh, voice their opinions, all right? So I think that is key. That is the main thing that we need to do to be able to counter this kind of extremist violence, all right? Um, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and, and with that being said, I would like to hear what you guys think. This is a big, hot topic, right? And I want to open up my world here, my internet world, my online world, for you to have a safe space to discuss, right? But remember, when we discuss, we need to respect each other. We, even if we have different opinions, we need to respect each other. We, we need to do it maturely, right? Uh, we, we, we should not use... Uh, we should not let emotions take over us. Discuss it properly. And if we disagree, we should agree to disagree. So let's see. If you've got any comments, please send in your comments, right? Um, now, I want to also um, uh, move on to a new segment that I'm planning to, uh, planning to start here on Fat Bidin Knows Everything. Uh, I used to have this uh, section where I highlight something that I find interesting. That section is still going to be on, but it's not every week that I find something interesting. <laughs> Right? Sometimes I'm just doing work and work and work and work and I don't find anything interesting to highlight in the videos. So I'm coming up with another segment and the segment is going to be called Answering Questions That You Guys Pose To Me. Okay? Alright, so now, there is a question that is posed to me by Ayumu Amiru. 
right, who is one of my YouTube subscribers, one of my YouTube viewers, um, and um, this person asked, after listening to a topic, or she, she watched the video that I did, um, talking about who can be Prime Minister in Malaysia, you can watch you know, the whole episode, right, and he said, after listening to this topic, may I know my, your opinion on the new political party called Muda and your opinion on Said Sadiq? Okay, brief answer, right? Um, Muda, I think Muda is great because it's uh, done by it's, it's formed by young people with new young and fresh ideas uh, I've always believed that uh, uh, voting and elections in the country should always be done by young people because they are the ones who have the most at stake in, in, in the country because they're going to be living in the country longer than the older people right so actually the owners should be on the young people instead of the older people okay lah the older people can also be there I don't want to be ages right they can also have a voice but to, be, to tell you the truth, the young people have more stake in the country, more stake in elections, more stake in policy making because they are going to spend more time in the country compared to the older folks, sorry, right? Now, so when Muda came up, I'm a big supporter of Muda. I don't know if I can be part of Muda because, you know, I'm not that young, although I do look like I'm 25, I'm actually 40 plus, right? Uh, but hey, Muda has said that they are open to everybody of all ages, right? Uh, and Said Sadiq, yeah, he's starting the company. He, he's starting not the company, the political party. He's 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 leading the political party. He started it. It's a very good idea for a political party and a political movement, right? But how long have they been formed? They've been formed for several months now, right? Uh, but I have yet to see any strong policy announcements that they have made. Uh, I have yet to see what kind of policy changes that they will make if they were in the government. I have yet to see uh, what their idea of change in, uh, in, in administrating the country, right? Um, uh, if, they, they, if, if they are allowed to be in power. So I don't know that yet. And that is something very, very important if you are going to be a political party and a political movement. I need to know your policies. Right, and for now, they're all cool and all that, taking pictures on Instagram and posting really cool comments, really cool tweets on Twitter and on Facebook and all that, which is great because it's very sexy and I think politics should be made sexy and it's appealing to a different crowd, a new younger crowd, right? But I need something a little bit more substantial. Give me something more substantial. Give us, Malaysians, something more substantial um, so that we can really be convinced to support you guys, right? So, so that's what I think about Mudala. Right. Okay, uh, now before I end the video, I want to also do a shout out to Zavlog from Pure Pixels on YouTube. Uh, he highlighted one of uh, the videos that Cheryl and I made, the Fat Bidin Film Club, one of our last, uh, the latest episode we did where we talked about uh, how anyone can actually be a critic, right? It's in response to uh, several local Malaysian film directors who have come out to say that critics are useless <laughs> and started criticizing film critics and film reviewers, right? So uh, Zavlog uh, gave us a shout out and um, the, the video went viral. Uh, and our subscription base like double <laughs> so thank you um, and, and uh, certain things also uh, kind of like developed from it lah. there was a altercation online with one of these film directors Shamsul Yusof of course yeah uh, um, uh, between us and Shamsul Yusof uh, but I'm not going to talk about it here I'm going to talk about it in our next episode of the Fat Bidin Film Club together with my wife Cheryl uh, so stay tuned for that this Friday that will be coming out this Friday alright so yeah, you know, like this video, don't like this video, subscribe to us, follow us on all our social media platforms, it's at FatBidin, or go to FatBidin.com to get everything. Uh, you've been watching and listening to FatBidin Knows Everything. I've got three kids, one wife, and me to support. So, you've got to like, you know, help fund my life. So, you actually can go to the FatBidin e-store, 
right? I'm gonna link it below, I'm gonna link it below, right? And you can get actually like fat billion merchandise, right? And most of it are, well actually books, are. I used to sell DVDs and films and all that, but hey, everything's available on YouTube now. So now if you want to get fat billion merchandise, it's mostly books. So I've got books here, I've got books here. See, see, see like this book? This is called uh, The Adventures of a Kerala in Afghanistan. It's a graphic novel, see? See, graphic novel which I uh, wrote uh, and illustrated with my, with my buddy Apan, right? Uh, it's a non-fiction one. It's about my time in Afghanistan shooting a documentary for a month uh, when I was there. See, see, I'm a war journalist, right? So it's a really good book, right? Uh, I've got this non-fiction novel. It's called Operation Nasi Krabu, Finding Patani in an Islamic Insurgency. This book I wrote because I spent like a, I spent some time in Southern Thailand where there's a war there. You all know there's a war there, right? In Patani, right? I shot a documentary there which was banned for broadcast. But hey, they allowed me to publish a book. And if you get the book, there is a QR code at the back, right? There's a QR code at the back which allows you to watch it for free online. Oh, where's the QR code? Where's the QR code? Ah, there's the QR code, right? It's online, meaning you scan the QR code, you go to my YouTube channel. Okay, um, I've got another book. This is called Journal Dad, the Chronicles of a Journalist who Happens to be a Father. It's a, it's a compilation of my articles, my column when I was writing for the Malaysian Insider. It's all about like me being a journalist and raising a family at the same time. It's really funny. It's funny. It's funny. My best-selling book. Liberal, Malay and Malaysian, Writings of a Walking Contradiction. This is a compilation also of my uh, column in the Malaysian Insider. This one focuses more on like politics, race, uh, demonstration, democracy and religion and things like that. It's funny too. All my books are funny because I'm a funny guy, right? Yes, I am. And if you like films, I sell this book. See, I wrote this book with my buddy Wan Chun Hong. It's a guide to filmmaking, indie filmmaking. Uh, every chapter talks about one aspect of filmmaking and it, every chapter also interviews one like a uh, really prominent Malaysian filmmaker. It's really good. You can get all these books at the Fat Bidin e-store. Come on, feed my kids.